I'm imagining that there's some sort of uh, acoustic. Oh, you know what? I'll do the take on me thing. We'll start it. I'm out of here. Hello and welcome everybody. This is the Gamer.com's first spoiler cast. We're going to be talking about The Last of Us 2 and I'm here with two of my best friends on the editing team. My name is Eric. You might know me from the Pexin with the Legends podcast and this is Sam and Bella. How are you guys doing today? Hello. Fantastic. Yeah, I'm doing great. I got a Hello Kitty. Doing good. Doing good. <laughs> so we have, uh, we have all played the game, obviously. We're going to be talking about the game in a spoilery way. Uh, this is our first time doing something like this, so we're just sort of feeling it out. But uh, the one thing I can promise you is that whether you like the game or hated the game, by the end of this show, you're going to flip it. That's right. <laughs> we are going to make you love or hate this game, depending on how you feel right now. I don't think that's how this works, Eric. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Um, all right. So let's ease into it. Give me one word that describes how you feel about The Last of Us 2, Sam. One word. I guess I'll go with... Uh, disappointed might be too strong of a word. Mm. But I'll go with that for now. <laughs> all right. All right. Bella? <laughs> uh conflicted yeah yeah conflicted that's a good one um i'm actually gonna say satisfied okay um but that doesn't mean 10 out of 10 uh so sam i read your review bella i read your tweets so i have a decent idea of how you how you all feel about it but since since sam actually wrote the review uh you want to give us sort of the broad strokes of uh you know, we, we don't need to talk about the story. This is for people that played the game, but um, sure. But but just kind of tell us how how you felt at the end. What do you think about the whole thing? Sure. And actually, I'm going to kind of play off of your word, and I'll go with unsatisfied. That's okay. probably a better word than disappointed. Um, you know, overall, I enjoyed the game for what it was, um, but I think the biggest issue I had with with it was that it just kind of felt like an extension of the same game from 2013 of you know just an extension of the original game um I thought it played really the same um you know the the major moments were very impactful very emotionally um um I was emotionally invested in those moments um but it just really didn't seem like a huge step up from the original game for me um, and that's kind of where I think the unsatisfied, um, this, the, you know, description kind of comes from, mm, but okay. like I, like I said, I enjoyed playing through it. Um, but we'll, we'll kind of get into the specifics. Yeah. Of that. Um, yeah. I'm, we're kind of starting as broad as possible and we'll, and we'll get into like the more specific details. So Belly, give us, yeah. give us your sort of broad. Um, I really like the game in terms of what it's trying to do, what it tries to accomplish with its characters, with its world. Um, I love the mechanics of this game, but I think it doesn't quite stick the landing on the nuances of a lot of the things it's trying to cover. And we'll get into the specifics of what that is, but I think its whole approach to like political like political and religious extremism is like interesting, but doesn't go as far as I want. Mm-hmm. I think the care, the examination of trauma and grief is interesting, but it's not necessarily as insightful as I want. I think I really like this game, 
but I think I like what it's trying to be more than what it actually ultimately is. Yeah. Um, uh, I want to echo stuff that both of you guys said. Um, my biggest problem with the game, uh, it isn't so much that it doesn't evolve the original. My, my single biggest problem with the game is that it, it is bloated. I think that it's probably 25 to 30% too long. And I think it's more indicative of like an industry-wide AAA problem than something I want to point directly at this game because I feel like this more and more. And I think a lot of people are feeling like this more and more. And we have like recent comments from like a former Sony exec talking about how we need to rethink AAA and how we need to scale it back, scale the budgets back, scale the timeframes back. And I think that this is sort of a watershed moment for that because this game is, for me, was uh, beautiful and incredible and basically everything I wanted except like a lot of it I fucking hated. Like <laughs> in, in particular – when you're on the boat and you're taking the boat to the next stop and you got to get the gate open and then the next stop and get the gate open. And I've done that in so many games, like <laughs> the, the Tomb Raider reboots, Uncharted in particular, mm -hmm. like a lot of the like bloated Uncharted 4 stuff, I totally felt in this yeah. game too. Um, so that's my big thing. Though, ha having said that, like um, I... Uh, I was incredibly moved, uh, way more than I thought. I came into this super jaded, and that's something I want to talk about first um, before we get into this, um, into into this what we specifically think about parts of the game. Uh, I could not avoid having opinions about this game before I played it as much as I tried. Yeah. Was that your experience too? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I guess I'll go first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh... You know, the, the discourse leading up to this game was pretty noxious, and it felt like a lot of people on every potential side of the political spectrum arguing about something they knew jack shit about. Uh, right. I won't, I won't cuss too much. Yeah, sorry. I did it too. <laughs> I did it too. My bad. But yeah, so um, I, I think it's a lot. it was a lot of people arguing about the merits of something they hadn't experienced yet, which on the one hand is like online discourse in a nutshell. But on the other hand, it painted a certain picture of the game. And I certainly don't think that Neil Druckmann's statements or GameStop's advertising of that helped. I think they painted a very different picture of what this game actually was. Um, and right. so... I think all the stuff leading up to it invited that sort of discourse. And I think a lot of it was ultimately very reductive. And I went in with a very, very, I, I went in expecting to hate this game. Um, and I definitely don't. So I think that says a lot to how it was talked about and covered before it came out. Mm. Sam, you pretty much put yourself in a bunker and sealed the door. Right? <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, I had a, no, I, I knew, you know, enough about, you know, the context of everything, of all the drama going on. Um, I knew about, you know, the leaks, the, you know, the, the first reviews, whatever, a week before, you know, I was able to play it. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, I wanted to kind of put this in my review, but I didn't want to, you know, put words in our team's mouths. But, you know, it definitely felt like I was, you know, on the you know, super excited, super stoked for this game, regardless of any sort of negative, you know, tones that were being directed at it, towards it, from it. Um, and then, you know, the rest of the team wasn't so much. And then I feel like that's flipped. Mm. Um, and mm. that's, that's one of the things that's, that's blown my mind throughout all of this is, you know, I came into this super, super excited just from, you know, my experience with the first game. Right. And, it just, yeah, that's how it, it fell flat for me. But then, you know, everyone else's minds kind of changed. And I feel like that's kind of, 
you know, just from what I've been seeing on Twitter, I feel like that's happened to a lot of people. Like they came in with one perspective and they left with a different one. Yeah. Kind of like we're doing with the spoiler cast. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, the the hype train is unstoppable. So if you played the first game, you already have impressions about the second one before you played it. That's unavoidable. Sure. But there was just the longest series of things that led up to this game that that informed uh the discourse around it everything from uh you know neil Druckmann's, in my opinion super blowhardy interview uh where he he talked about this thing as if it was the greatest work of art of all time yeah so there was that there was gamestop's thing as you mentioned about uh how horny you can get killing dogs which was like super uncomfortable. It was like as as you watch the light leave their eyes and their man's best friend. Like right. it, it was super tragic. Okay, and then um and then uh the crunch at Naughty Dog that super informs how we feel about the game, and I want to talk more about that. Obviously, but yeah. but there was more. There was the leak, which caused this like wave of GamerGate backlash for um you know social themes before anyone ever played the game yeah um and and it it went on and on there were there were more there was more drama after that there was uh when the reviews came out the re the the embargoed reviewers could only talk about in non-specifics the first half of the game like you couldn't even talk about abby how could you review this game and not talk about half of the game yeah you know, like the other character that you control for a good twelve hours of experience. Yeah. 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 So while that's going on, the most prolific game reviewers are all pontificating about this game and and speaking in these like broad terms about how incredible and amazing it is. It's getting nothing but ten, almost nothing but ten out of ten reviews. Somebody compares it to Schindler's List. Neil Druckmann gets involved with that discourse. <laughs> So it was just like nonstop, like everything about this game was super tragic, super overblown. And by the time I got my hands on it, I, I too was like ready to totally hate it. I was like, I I went into it thinking like, this is lowbrow pretending to be highbrow. They're going to try to force emotions on me. It's all going to be super transparent. Uh, And it wasn't, it, it really was not that it, it felt real more than it didn't. It felt authentic more than it was forced to me. Um, And almost all of the discourse around the game didn't land with me at all by the time I I was done with the game. I was was so confused about so much I had heard about this game by the time I finished it. Uh, And I still am, and that's kind of what I want to get into. Yeah, I think the the picture that was painted of this game and what it is um, is very different than what it ultimately ended up being. I definitely went to this like you. I expected it to be trying to shock me at every turn. I expected a very ham-fisted like, handling of any social themes in the game. Um, and certainly there are some elements of the story where I don't, where I do think it's ham-fisted. But I think the conversation around what this game actually is, it's not um, accurate. Because what this game is, is a very dour, bleak meditation on the cycle of abuse. That's what this game is about. That's what mm-hmm. it is. Um, and I think that nobody's really talking about it in those terms. I think that people are talking about it in terms of, you know, Joel died. I'm sad. You know, like right. I don't think anyone wants to talk about the actual themes of the game. 
Um, and so, yeah, I, I would agree with that. I would say the the conversations leading up to the game are not indicative of what the game actually is. Yeah. Um, boy, uh, a lot of different directions uh, I want to go with this. But since you mentioned Joel, let's let's stick to that point for a bit. Um, so Joel dies in what is essentially the tutorial of this game. Like it, it, it concludes, it concludes the prologue. Yeah. Right. Um, and that, that was not totally unexpected to me. Um, no. even, even being a person that would manage to avoid the spoilers. Like, um, if you had asked me at, at the second I finished the last of us one, what's going to happen in the last of us two, I would have told you, well, obviously Joel's going to die. But that uh, story beat is the most devastating thing to ever happen to gamers. (laughs) (laughs) How did you guys feel about it? You go first, Sam. Sure. Um, There was like, you know, I agree. Like I totally expected that to happen. But when it did, it was there was the audible gasp. There was the lean back and grab my face. And I, I think I was streaming at the time. And like, I just, I couldn't believe it, even though mm-hmm. I knew it was going to happen. It was, yeah, it the impact of it was like the way they did it. Like it was great. Yeah. 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 I, so I, I read and watched most of this game before it came out mm-hmm. because like there were videos and stuff up when for like a few hours and I watched those. So I knew that Joel was going to get beaten with a golf golf club. In fact, I tried to use one of those as a header image for the website at one point just to make people <laughs> upset. I oh, did. Yeah, that's right. Terrible. Um, I did. Uh, but um, yeah, I, I would, I would echo what Sam said. I don't know if I felt as much of a gut punch to me. Um, I went into this game, not liking Joel and I actually like Joel a lot more as a character now, not as a person. Um, but it didn't shock me, but the way they did it was very effective. I definitely sat and flinched as Ellie was just kind of forced to watch him just get beaten to death. It was really painful. It was yeah. really just heartbreaking to watch yeah. her react much more than it was him dying for me. Because yeah. that was her, despite all of his warts, despite all of the bad lessons that he would instilled in her in some degree, which this game sort of confronts, that was her world. That was her father for all intents and purposes. And you really see that pain yeah, and the way she reacts, and that was really, really hard to watch for sure. Um, you know, Ellie's relationship with Joel's death is the driving force of the entire game, and I felt like I was exploring that through Ellie through the whole game, and it took me until the very last scene to really, uh to really come to terms with what his death meant for her. Um, And I think that if I had, if I had to sort of articulate my interpretation, which is a good thing to do when you're doing a podcast, um, Ellie lost her purpose when Joel saved her. She says that pretty specifically. Uh, My life was supposed to mean something. I was supposed to die in that hospital. And I think that when when Joel took that away from her and she lost her purpose, then her life became about being Joel's sacrifice. That her, her identity was Joel's. I, I don't think sacrifice is even specifically the, the best word, but, mm-hmm. but her, the way she, the way she sees herself as is as belonging to Joel. And yeah, and I think when when Joel dies, 
it's a lot more than just losing her father. It's it's also re-experiencing that trauma uh, of losing her her purpose, of once again feeling like there's no reason for her to exist, and going on this brutally savage uh, revenge mission is her choosing a new purpose, a new reason to live. Yeah. Um, and go ahead. I, I yeah, I, I think what that does on a metatextual level is interesting too, because I think a lot of the discussions around the first Last of Us talked about Ellie, and which is weird because you play as her for half the game, but in the first game, people talk about her as if like, she's your virtual daughter, she's your virtual sidekick. And so a lot of players of this game that I've talked to personally perceive her, her role as a character to just sort of be subordinate to Joel. And yeah. so the game engages with that on a very meta level in that at first you're just kind of scrambling what the fuck is Ellie even about? Why is she here? What is her drive? And for most of the game, that drive is to murder the living heck out of everybody. Um, and as she continues to do that, and as the players are confronted with the kind of brutality of their actions, you start to see her learn a new purpose for herself. And I think the player who might have perceived Ellie as a sidekick now has a different perception of her, now has a different perception of what she's learned and what she's about. And I think that's a really good way the narrative and gameplay reflects like the themes of the game. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah, and I, I definitely agree with both everything that you both said. Um, and I think that's part of the story issue that I have. Um, and I don't know if we want to get to the end um, I let, guess not really. Yeah, let, end, let's let's work our way there because that's such yeah. a big. Uh, I know I kind of touched on it, but um, did y'all know that there was two Last of Us subreddits? There's a Last of Us subreddit where people talk about the game and make fan art and show their support, and then there's a Last of Us Two subreddit uh, where the toxic garbage of humanity exists. <laughs> uh, there. I, You're gonna post this there, right? <laughs> <laughs> I am. Uh, I have tried very hard after finishing the game to seek out all of the good faith negativity uh, around the game because there's a guys, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of bad actors that don't like this game. Let's just what? put it that way. Seriously, there's a lot of people that don't like this game that also don't like women. Oh shit, uh, gay people. Oh no. Yeah. Shocker. So Shocker. So but I'm not naive. Like I I'm not out here saying like if you don't like this game, you're a bigot. That's of ridiculous. Not. No, right. of course not. So having said that, it's been very difficult to find the good faith uh detractors for this game. Um because when just like with Gamergate and the way that they hid behind like uh honest journalism to be hateful. Yeah. A lot of people use bad faith arguments to be hateful uh, about this game. Right. No, totally. Like, so yeah. What what are legitimate and and I think I have seen some, but what are like legitimate problems that people have with Joel Dine or the way Joel Dine that's that's bigger than like he's my favorite character and you killed him. <laughs> I'm gonna snap this disc on stream. Y'all see that? You see killed that? Joel, and I love Joel. What, yeah, like, yeah. what are the problems that people have with this? With Can, Joel dying, just yeah, with Joel dying. I've seen people say something that I agree with in that 
it happens really, really early on. Mm. And so you kind of feel, and I haven't played Last of Us since I played it at launch uh, in 2013. Mm -hmm. So I needed more time, I felt, to get acclimated to Joel before they just like yeeted him off of the mortal coil. And of course, the way the game progresses, I understood why they killed him up front because then the game gives you a lot of other like flashbacks with him. But I certainly think I've seen critiques of you just kill him right away. And that's kind of where I sit to. This was the protagonist of your last game. And while I'm not upset about it, I certainly think that's a cheaply shocking um, narrative decision to make. Mm. Mm -hmm. uh, I A lot of people say something to the effect of, it's not that he died, it's the way he died. That they're upset that he would reveal his name to these strangers. That, they, that it's so out of character. A lot of criticisms about this game are about how people act out of character. That's always what it is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which I which is absurd. That's a, basically along the lines of the, the story isn't what I wanted it to be. Right. right. Um, yeah. So, you know, they walked into that room. And as I recall, Tommy said his name first, which makes sense. Tommy's a little bit more maybe naive. Tommy seems a little bit maybe he's not as sharp as Joel. Yeah. That's sort of my impression. Yeah. And I think it's very clear. You can see on Joel's face that he knows what's going on here. You know, but it's it's too late. They got chased by zombies all the way there. Yeah. Like, what right. what was what was he supposed to do? <laughs> um and I I think that the that the out of character complaint is one I don't agree with at all because like the most in-character thing for Joel to do would be to help somebody and die doing it. Um, <laughs> of like, course. I, I, th I think that's who he is as a character, in spite of all of his flaws, is, like, he didn't know this stranger um, who was around Ellie's age, approximately, and he was probably like, oh, shit, I gotta help. I gotta, I gotta help her. And that kills him in the end. His own right. attempt to save somebody is what kills him. And if you don't think that's in Joel's character, I don't know if we played the same first game. Yeah. And, and here's the thing, right? Like the first game you play as Sarah, his daughter, and she dies pretty much immediately. Yeah. Um, what else could they have done in the sequel that would have, you know, elevated that death, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, I, I don't know how you could draw people in with that emotional element that this game is, that this franchise is known for, um, with anything other than a major character, you know, be a Ellie, be a Joel dying kind of early on and, mm -hmm. and kind of basing the rest of the game sort of around that entire, you know, uh, incident. Yeah. yeah. That's a really good point. It speaks to like that, that narrative, uh, expect, that that things will escalate right right they uh, things have to escalate in a sequel and uh that's a really good point um but but bella something that you said about players not understanding joel's character i think that that answers a lot of questions that i have about the negativity around this game um and people's insistence that the game should have been about i saw a petition I saw a petition yesterday <laughs> oh <my God>. to, <laughs> to redo the story of The Last of Us 2. And I think that, and I, you know, this gets into a much bigger social issue than the, we're prepared to tackle on this video game podcast. But 
the the rampant misunderstanding of Joel as a deeply flawed person speaks to very widespread toxic masculinity in our society and a, and particularly in our gaming society right. that that people look up to Joel so much that their entire the last of us 2 experience is ruined because because he was killed uh because he was killed by a maybe because he was killed by a woman but be, because he was killed unceremoniously and wasn't given a hero's uh death you know and mm-hmm. and it seems to me like the people that are the most of the people that are still sending me DMS for defending the game, just because of anything I wrote about it. Um, (laughs) Like if you're that angry and upset about Joel dying, then you don't get this game at all. Like you don't get the series. You completely misunderstood the first one. Also, Uh, like I will say like the, you mentioned the idea of a hero's death. And I've seen people mention this before is that the point of The Last of Us 2 in particular is that there are no heroes to the story. That's the, like, the, the, the game handles that with the subtlety of hitting you with a hammer. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> no kidding. But yeah, it literally is just like no one in this game is good. And I think that's kind of the point. Yeah. So I think, I think maybe we need to be like uh, overt about this. Like we, we've been talking about Joel's flaws and stuff, but um, like Joel... Joel's a bad dude. Like he loves Ellie more than anything, but but uh the choices that he makes and the way that he treats her is incredibly possessive. Hmm. It is uh is incredibly abusive towards her. It is a very selfish love. Yeah. And I think selfish yeah. is probably like his biggest character flaw and, and what describe, if you had to describe Joel in one word to me, it would be selfish. Sam just went all blurry on me. He didn't like what that's I was my, saying. That's my- <laughs> <laughs> it's the ether. Get it. Um, no, but yeah, uh, Sam, I'll let you, Oh, Sam just disappeared. Uh, Sam, I'll let you address. No, go that ahead. Bella. I'll figure no, this okay. out. Um, like Joel does bad things. Joel does some things that are very, very, like indicative of abuse very his initial reason for taking care of ellie is his own personal redemption quest right Mm -hmm. but i think what the game wants us to grapple with is whether or not joel is entirely good or entirely bad which sort of gets into the blase approach to uh gray morality this game has but i don't know if i would personally characterize joel as a bad person i would characterize him as a broken person who inflicts his trauma on everyone around him absolutely Albeit accidentally or intentionally. I think he tries to do good, but I don't think he ever stops and questions why he's trying to do good. Right. So whether or not that makes him a good or bad person is kind of up for debate. But I certainly hear what you're saying, and I definitely think that his treatment of Ellie, especially when she's a teenager, is very possessive, for sure. Yeah, I would agree with 100% with that. Um, And I don't necessarily know if I think one way or the other about Joel, but... I think just in hearing, you know, this conversation, that's 100% what happened with Ellie um, throughout this game. You know, she was motivated by her own, you know, redemption, which, I mean, is ultimately a selfish reason, um, which, you know, is one of the things that I was most upset about um, in terms of her character overall. Like, I I get it, but I was just very disappointed in that, the direction that... um, she took because it was the same as Joel. 
in that regard. Yeah, right. Yeah. Totally. The, like the cycle of violence, right? Like that's definitely one of the bigger themes here. Um, and yeah, Bella, you're totally right. Like the, the game is very overt about throwing away our, our, uh, concepts of morality. So like calling Joel a bad dude is, is definitely reductive. Um, Joel, Joel is a selfish dude and the staunchest defenders of Joel um, maybe need to look at their own yes. to toxic masculinity. Absolutely. I think that's sort of my point and their own like nice guy behavior. Yeah. You know, it's like if you're it's like if your takeaway, it's like people who talk about God of War. If your takeaway from God of War is that Kratos is just a good dad trying to do his best. That's the not the good takeaway. The yeah. takeaway from God of War is. He's a bad dad for that first half of that game. And then he's like, oh, God, I suck. Yeah. And then the rest of the game is him learning to grapple with that. And by the end, you start seeing some sort of reconciliation with Atreus. Um, and I think that's the same situation here. It's like, I don't think that Joel is a good dad. Um, and I think on some level he knows that. But I think that some good comes out of his parenting. It's... It's like real parents almost. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I that to one of the game's strengths is the way that uh it manages to constantly walk the line um and and keep most of its themes uh especially when it comes to like characters characterization and relationships uh a little bit more subdued. A lot of its themes obviously are not very subdued. But uh when it comes to uh I think relationships and identity um I, I think the game manages to uh, feel very authentic uh, to me, and and not totally. not feel like it, it's forcing. Though the I I would say that like, I think more than more than morality, what the game succeeds at breaking down is identity. Yeah, um, I think that's something that it does very successfully. So that's really an interesting way to frame the game. I, I would agree with that actually. It, it it grapples with identity of all different types. Um yeah, I didn't even think about that. So yeah, so let, let's get into that a little bit more because yeah. um when we when we talk about identity, we have to talk about, you know, the player character. And that's that's a big that's another big point of contention for this game. We start as Joel, Joel dies. We play as Ellie, we think we're going to continue well before Joel dies, we do we do play as Abby, sort of. Right. For uh, minutes here and there. And we're oh, yeah, going we back do. and we're going back and forth. Um boy, I love Abby. I'm I gonna, love Abby so much. <laughs> sorry, I, couldn't, about her later. I love her. She's so good. I couldn't hold it in. I I really love Abby. Man, people hate Abby so much. But okay, okay, we'll get to that. We'll we'll get, <laughs> we'll right. get to that. Okay. okay, so for the next, I don't know, fifteen hours. Uh, we are on a singular warpath with Ellie. Go, we go to Seattle and we're picking off the wolves one by one uh, to get revenge for Joel. Under the guys that were chasing Tommy, which is something I actually really appreciated, was um, e even Dina believes that we're there to recover Tommy. We're not. Obviously, we're not. You know, mm -hmm. Ellie makes that really clear. Um, but I liked that level of complication because I've seen a lot of you know, this is the same revenge story that we've seen a thousand times. And I, I don't really f feel that way about it. It didn't, it, the narrative arc, I don't think was, uh, anything cliche or overly familiar to me. Um, I, I, I agree with I, that. I, yeah. Uh, you, you, you have anything else to say about that, Sam? Sorry. <laughs> Not really. No, like, I, I think that's too easy of a criticism to, you know, put out there. 
um, because, yeah, I definitely didn't feel that way at all. Yeah, I feel like I'm I'm very worn on the idea of like the gritty introspective revenge thriller. Like, example, I, I fucking hate Logan. I don't like that movie. I think it's bad. Um, I don't I don't like mm. movies that try to have this gritty myopic approach to like revenge is bad, but sometimes you got to do it. And right. I don't think that's what this game is trying to do. No, I think I what think this so game is doing, especially when we talk about the ending. Uh, I think what this game is trying to do is put the player in a position where you understand where Ellie's coming from. And I think to a degree you start to sympathize with her and the game even starts giving you tools that let you revel in the violence that she's enacting on people in name of the name of revenge. Mm -hmm. And by the time you get to the halfway point of the game, which we'll talk about a little later, you realize that they're basically baiting the player. They're baiting you into having a good time murdering people because then they flip the switch and are like, hey, don't you feel bad now? And honestly, yeah, I kind of did. So yeah, I I definitely don't think that this is a very typical revenge thriller. I actually think it undoes a lot of my typical criticisms of the gritty grounded revenge drama. Yeah, yeah. And I think if we're going to like pigeonhole it and be genre specific about it, it's... it. I, I think we tend to ignore the fact that it's a horror game and a horror story first yeah, sure. uh, over everything. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm bypassing some really important stuff, obviously, because we have some Joel flashbacks that I thought were beautiful, especially the museum. I think that was one of my favorite yes. sequences in the whole game. Um, but I, but I want to get to that, that big subversion when at the halfway point, uh, Ellie and Abby are face to face and we leave Ellie and play the rest of the game as Abby. <laughs> um, and boy, people sure are mad about that. I don't. I, I saw a. I, I don't like follow actively a lot of gaming subreddits, but I get like push notifications on my phone that are like, "This is trending in this gaming subreddit." I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, yeah. But I, I saw this meme that was like about Abby being an unrelatable or like a bad character, an unlikable character, mm-hmm. and I really think that speaks to the reductive discourse surrounding this game. Because if your takeaway from this game is that Ellie is likable and Abby is not then like you're missing the entire point the entire point of the game is that both of them are the same just different yeah 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 um uh i i i will admit that when i when at that point when you take over abby and i spent hours playing abby and i realized that it was going to be the rest of the game i was exhausted and that <laughs> that's not narrative reasons that's because the game is way too long Yes, like the the game should have been six hours with Ellie, six hour, you know, like it's just so much. Go clear this room. Go, (laughs) you know, oh, we got to go around another way. The game. Indulgent. It's very very indulgent. But, you know, that also, I think, maybe kind of speaks to our age a little bit because I (laughs) never felt that way when I was a kid. I never felt. Games could go on for forever. I didn't bother me, you know? Right, right. Um, it's it's funny because uh, when we took over as Abby, I admittedly did not put as much time as I probably should have into, you know, her abilities, her um, any of that stuff. And so, like, I'm, like, halfway through the, the second, you know, part of the game. And then I start building her up and I'm like, oh, you know what? This was stupid of me. I'm mm-hmm. glutton for punishment, I guess. But I uh, would totally agree with the just 
go, you know what we need to go do? We need to go find this thing. You know where it is on the other side, you know, a million miles away. Like, oh my God, I get it. Like by the time that fifth one came, you're like, I, I know what I have to do. We don't have to talk about it. Like, let's just do mm -hmm. it. Uh, yeah, and like I think that Abby's half of the game mechanically is certainly more action heavy. Like it certainly gives you more heavy weaponry. Like oh, you yeah. get a fucking flamethrower. Right. You know? yeah, yeah. Um but like I I I absolutely agree with you, Sam. Like by the time I was like three quarters of the way through this game, I was kinda like, Okay, Abby, you're moving too slow. The narrative is being drip fed to me. I don't want to have to go do another fetch quest. I don't want to have to go there and back again. I want to know, I want this narrative to be resolved and I don't want it to be resolved in 30 hours. Here we are. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I, I think bloat is a lot of this game's problem. And it's not traditional AAA open world bloat. It's just padding. It's a walking simulator without any mm. of the brisk uh, pacing that makes walking simulators work. The the like graph of my engagement while I was playing this game is all over the place. It was just like, <laughs> but as I got closer to the end, I liked it more than I ever had. Like at like towards the end of the game, I was really loving it. There was just, there was just a lot of parts that, that were just very dull, but pretty much from, from teaming up with Lev until the end of the game, I was having a blast. I loved, uh, I loved fighting the the scars with him. I didn't want to use the pejorative term. Isn't that weird? I was trying to think of what do we call the uh, what are the scars called themselves? I wanted to call them what they call themselves. <laughs> I actually felt bad using the pejorative term there. Um, but I I loved fighting through them with love. I loved the skyscraper and descending down that thing. I thought like all of that was super intense. Even going back to the hospital was cool, but. You know, as tired as I was bouncing back and forth with Abby, we got to go to the aquarium. We got to go back here. We got to go back to the aquarium. We got to go. Um, I sort of realized it took me a long time to realize what Abby's motivation was. People keep asking her, you know, Owen in particular asked her, why are you doing all this? You're like, you've thrown your life away for the enemy. You're killing yourself, you know? And I think for me, the way that, that I... Uh, finally understood at the end, and I was curious what you guys thought about Abby's motivations too. Her whole life was getting Joel. I think we have to keep that in mind. That, yeah. like, just like Ellie's purpose, what does Abby do once Joel's dead? Who, like, who is Abby without the the lust for revenge? You know. Yeah. And I think that giving herself over to this mission to prove that she's a good person to like to help this kid and turn her back on her own family, her own leadership, her own training to, to prove that she can do something good is her own sort of redemption arc for killing Joel. And yeah. none, none of the wolves will show any remorse for what they did mm -hmm. for Joel. That, okay. that would be, that would be an impossible thing to face to, th for them to, to admit that there was something wrong with what they did. But the way that they show that remorse and seek their own redemption for, for Abby is is by, like, killing her own, you know, uh, I, obviously I'm jumping to the end here, but, but killing her own leader, turning her back on her family and giving everything up to help this kid she just met who is one of the enemies. Yeah. Um, is that – is that was that how you took it? Is that how it's meant to be taken? I think so. I mean yeah. – you know, this it all goes back to her dad, right? Like 
in, when you're in the dark, you look for the light. And she was clearly in a dark place. And then, you know, when she, when she killed Joel, she did her thing. It's like, like you said, now what? Um, and I think, you know, just as we saw over time, she realized like, you know what, maybe some of the stuff that I'm doing is very wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, what can I do to be that light that, you know, my father raised me to, you know, be, to see um, in myself and other people. So I, I think you're spot on. Yeah, I think that I think that meeting and helping Lev gives Abby a purpose. And I, I think I think I, I think you see this conflict not only in just like who do I kill, where do I go? Like you see, there, there, there's one moment I really liked in the game where you saw all those um, all those body bags coming in into where Abby's encampment was, and you realize, oh shit's really bad for her too and yeah. like a lot of the devastation a lot of the death um on her end comes from what the players are doing in the first half of the game which is like a really good way to make you grapple with your own actions but i think not only a lack of purpose um is driving abby but i think a sort of palpable self-hatred like you see her there's one particularly effective scene where she and owen um fuck in that van and like you can tell when they're doing it she's like in the boat she's in the boat yeah yeah yeah, yeah boat van it, it was a vehicle of some <laughs> sort of a boat van boat, <laughs> a boat van yeah but like you see this look in her eyes that even when she is like agreeing to doing what she's doing it's consensual you see this look where she just hates it she hates herself for letting this happen again for fault for like being just with Owen again. And I can, I think as, you know, 20, 30 somethings, we can probably all say we've had that encounter where we look at it and we're like, fuck, I shouldn't have done that. I really don't like myself for that. And I think this game actually really accurately captures what that's like. Cause I may, and maybe, maybe that's a, the wrong takeaway. Maybe I'm supposed to like Owen, but like, I hated that. I, I don't think any, yeah, no. It sucks. I, um, it, yeah, and I, honestly, yeah. I hate to say this, but it's like I think he's a punchable face guy is his biggest problem. <laughs> he is. Absolutely. He just has that face. Um But what what I think sort of puts a bow on the the point I wanted to make about Abby was what she does in the end is to follow Owen's quest to find the fireflies, right? I think that because Abby finished her mission and killed Joel and fulfilled her purpose that through what we see in her story through the rest of the game is is essentially living for other people. Um, Owen's yeah. in trouble. She's going for Owen. Lev's in trouble. She's helping Lev. When Owen dies, her life becomes fulfilling Owen's last wish, at, yeah. as, uh, as detrimental as that ended up being. Um, uh, there's another point I wanted to make, but I forgot, and so we'll we'll move on. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, Lev and his sister, because um, I think that this is another sticking point for nasty lads, but yeah, also nasty for, lads. for nasty lads, but also for people that have some genuine criticism. And um, I f- I am at a bit of a loss here because I. My, I guess my privilege didn't really allow me to see anything that was wrong with Love's character, but I definitely want to hear some other perspectives. Uh, both of y'all look at the trans person and they hit on the wall. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, I, no, seriously, um, I, I have a lot of complicated feelings about Lev. I think Lev as a character is very well done. I think he's a very interesting, likable character. I think the way that the game tries to endear you to his struggle is 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 admirable. 
I also think it goes very much down the route of trans suffering porn, which mm. I feel like a lot of depictions of trans people do. It's like, God, look how terrible it is being trans. Like, yes, that is true. It does suck. Um, but it's also good sometimes. And while I think this game mostly weaves a good, like, that weaves a balance. That's not a saying. <laughs> and mostly it balances the tragedy porn with Lev, who Lev is as a small lad, who is just a very plucky, resourceful little dude. Yeah. Um, I think that the amount of suffering they show him going through comes across as for straight people, it's sort of to go like, look how bad this is. It's like, yeah, it is bad. There's other ways you could have shown this. Um, and I, I also do think that um, I understand its realism. I think dead naming sucked. I think them calling him by his birth name sucked. I don't think they should have done that. I, I think, and maybe like, maybe that's the point as a trans player that made me super angry. I was like, well, I want to kill all these fuckers now. Yeah. Um, but I certainly felt like it was an exploitative, cheap tactic to show you what he'd been through. So I think him as a character is interesting. I think the world that surrounds him and the cruelty that surrounds him could have been handled better, I guess. Okay. What were your uh, thoughts on Yara? Yara was, like, so complicated as a character because, like, on the one hand, she obviously cared for Lev, but on the other hand would use terms such as, like, if I recall correctly, like, stop playing pretend or playing make-believe or something like that. Like, Yara was obviously supportive, but I felt that ultimately was kind of one of those family members who supports you while also not necessarily understanding. Mm -hmm. Um, And in the apocalypse, you know, maybe that's all you got. And, like, I see the validity in that. Um, But it certainly came across as, I don't know if I particularly liked Yara, but I don't know if I particularly hated Yara either. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I mean... Because I, I, you know, I don't have a problem with Lev. Um, I don't, you know, I can't obviously speak to the experience um, sure. of Lev, but I was happy that they gave us Yara um, as that sort of, not necessarily supporter, um, but like that was like a bridge. Is yeah, I guess. I, yeah. I don't know what I'm, exactly what I'm trying to say, but like there was that there was still that relationship that meant a lot to both of them. Um, and, I, you know, I think speaking to the apocalyptic, like this is what you get, like that's that definitely plays a part. But I think I, I liked that relationship. And I certainly am a big proponent. I, I, some people think that showing any display of like misunderstanding or bigotry is bad in media. I don't think that's true. I think that Yara as a character serves that role really well because I believe in the power of media transforming people and changing minds. And Yara, in a way, is there for players who might be a bit bigoted themselves or maybe like not bigoted but don't understand. Yara is there as that analog. And now while you could discuss the validity of that analog, I think for somebody who doesn't necessarily understand trans people to see Yara still trying could probably motivate them in their daily lives to also try. And so I think that speaks to her role in the in the game um, and why it is ultimately valid, even if I have issues with it. Yeah. Cool. Anyway, Lev, Lev is good. The way the game handles Lev isn't always great, but I think that having a trans character in your AAA game is cool, and I would like more people to do that. Yeah. Sure. Does, does Lev suffer more than, than our protagonists? 
Not really. <laughs> it, they all basically it's kind get of really, a really nightmare over. for everyone. Right, it's really yeah, bad for everyone. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, it's it's fascinating. It's and I I hope I I guess I just hope that we that it is more normalized because of something as big as The Last of Us, right? That's sort of the goal is like totally. that we can include uh, more diverse cast of characters in big games. That's at the end of the day, if that's what we get, like then good, like they did, they did a good job. Yeah. Like the, mm-hmm. I think the, I think the, the winning formula here is more representation, people pushing back against the good aspect, good and bad aspects of representation and media growing from that. Yeah. Some people I think would argue that if you're buying a game, you're complicit in that bad characterization, you're complicit in the bad things. I don't necessarily agree with that. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's a good thing that they did. And I think we, we can't have this conversation without also talking about um, Dina and Ellie's relationship, because this is like, Unless you count Life is Strange, which is really more of a double-A game. This is, like, the first major triple-A game I can think of where that makes you play as a queer woman. Um, yeah. That's pretty yeah. cool. I, I, okay, so here is my take, my hot take on <laughs> Dima and Ellie. Um, that particular relationship, because although we know that they have known each other for years, because we met Dima at the start of this game that the progression of that relationship felt like the most busted thing in this game. Once they were together, I was on board and it worked, but getting there, getting from first kiss to now we're in love was super busted. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, at the, you know, from, I guess through the theater, um, I was not a fan of Dina at all. Really? Like Hmm. it just, it felt forced. And I mean, if you're going to give me that, that sidekick character, who's supposedly supposed to be helping me, I'm going to call out every single time. Hey, there's someone over here. You want to shoot them? I don't know. Um, <laughs> but that, 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 that goes, that's just like, you know, the, the sidekick character, not Dina, not Dina herself, but by the end of the game, she was my absolute favorite person in the game. So I, I think that the relationship, uh, the speed of it is less indicative of this game. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to say the hottest take and say that's indicative of AAA gaming entirely because AAA games don't know how to fucking write relationships. But I will just focus in and say that that's how I feel about Naughty Dog's writing of relationships in Mm -hmm. general. Like Elena and Nathan Drake's relationship in Uncharted is terrible. I don't like it. It grows out of seemingly nowhere, and Nathan Drake gives her every single reason in the world to be like, I'm done with you. You kind of suck. And yet the game wants us to keep buying into, like, no, they, they really have a good dynamic. They're really cute. And that's kind of how I feel. I, I see, and I look, I understand the thirst for representation, right? But I see a lot of discourse around The Last of Us uh, Part Two um of this game is so great because they're gay and that's so positive and i'm like no ellie's kind of an abusive partner she's like a very emotionally distant cold partner who you wouldn't want to date Mm -hmm. um i don't think their dynamic is cute i don't think it's supposed to be no um i don't either i think you're supposed to see it slowly take a toll on dina and spoiler alert the literal ending of the game shows that that's exactly what the point is that ellie has driven away who she loves Right. Who is probably, I mean, 
murdering lots of people aside, because that's what everyone in this world does. Right. Um, she's probably uh, the most uh, scrupulous person in this game, like the most uh, strong, uh, held, held fast to her own values. And um, like, I, I think Dina is one of the stronger characters yeah. uh, in the game. I would agree with that completely. And, um, oh, okay. So can we talk about uh, pregnant people? I want to talk Boy. about pregnant people. Woo! <laughs> this game hates them. <laughs> <laughs> so, so early on, when I was feeling pretty manipulated by this game, uh, because this game wore me down over time, I almost feel like it's a little bit of a Stockholm situation. The longer this game went on, the more I, I loved it. <laughs> but early on when I was feeling manipulated because of all of the buildup and all of the Neil Druckmann talking about how it's going to change my life <laughs> and make me feel like I'm evil or what. Okay. So I was like, I was like, Oh, they're making us play the bad guys. So we know that there's no bad guys. I get it. I like, everything was like, I get it. Oh, here's the pregnant character. I get it. There's two pregnant characters and there's one on either side of the conflict. And I think that I think that when it is ultimately used in the Abby Ellie fight, that worked. A lot of people think it didn't work at all and was like the worst. But what do you guys like, think about all the pregnant like, people? Like what aspect didn't work? Just the like what happened to Mel in particular? Or? No, I think that what the meme I keep seeing the, like okay. the hate I keep seeing is like that Abby is, uh, not only unlikable, but unredeemable because of the moment when Ellie was like, she's pregnant. And then Abby was like, good. and was about to do it. If Lev hadn't stopped her. That's like a story moment that people are so are point to and go, this is why Abby's a bad character. But like Ellie already stopped, but she Ellie didn't know. But moment already. I, this is not my words. I'm not an idiot. I know. But I, I, I Ellie didn't video. know she was pregnant. So that's why. It, it still sucks. It still sucks. No, yeah, I think that's a weird critique. I think that's a weird critique to have because, like, I think the reveal of Mel's pregnancy is really well. It's, it's actually super well done. Yeah. Um, in that the entire first half of the game is depersonalizing who you're killing. Like, I fucking loved murdering people in the first half of the game. It was so fun. It felt great. Um, and then that moment when Ellie realizes that Mel is pregnant, it made me go like, oh, wait a second. Who have I been killing? And then yeah. when you play as Abby, you actually meet the NPCs that you know you killed as Ellie. And yeah. so I think that just because Abby knows that uh, Dina is pregnant and her saying good does not make her unlikable. I think that makes her somebody who has watched all of her friends and loved ones get right. killed and she's angry, mm -hmm. just like Ellie. That's the point of the game. Yeah. And I mean, like, couldn't that also just have been the turning point for Abby herself? Like, how it, you can still be redeemable for not going through with something. I mean, if that, if that, if that one situation moves you into a better place as a person, um, you know, Lev was the one who saved Abby in, in that regard. Um, and it's just that that critique is, I don't understand it. I don't um, um, I don't. Then, yeah. I don't want to speak for Sam, but I think that uh, both of us 
uh, were pretty turned off by the pregnant lady jumping up on shelves and climbing all around. Oh my god, that was a little. I was going nuts, <laughs> especially as as someone who uh, is recently married to a pregnant person. That's a weird way to say Sam has a baby. <laughs> that's uh, recently married to a pregnant person. <laughs> yeah, that's like boulder the small boulder the size of a large boulder. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, just imagining, just like watching that woman like swing on ropes and climb over yeah. stuff. I was like, "What the hell is this? There's no I way." Thinking, like, just stay there. I'll be back. Yeah, fine. she climbed right. up on the roof. Sit down for a second. Like yeah. Wolfenstein too handled pregnancy better in that, like there was a Anya was pregnant in that game and. She she did a whole lot of cool murder, but the game also was like, hey, here's some actual physical limitations she has. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't mean she can't get topless and kill Nazis, but she also <laughs> needs to like maybe do that a little slower. <laughs> and I don't know if Neil Druckmann has ever met a pregnant person. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know yeah. if he knows what pregnancy actually is as a concept. <laughs> that, that was, of all the heads I bashed in and, and next I stabbed, like watching that pregnant lady climb, climb up on that shelf was, was the most taxing part of this game. <laughs> <laughs> For yeah. Sure. Um, I do want to, I, I am interested though, like we both, we've all mentioned this and sidestepped around like talking about abby as a character and what we think about her but like what do we what do we feel about abby how do we like her yeah i'll I'll go after y'all okay um so as far as like what you would call like the characterization which is just like the moment to moment the the in-game interactions and like the quips and the way that she expresses herself uh i i like it was so much fun to to play as abby and it was so much fun to fight as abby like like it, as as limited as the actual playable differences between the characters, obviously they have slightly different guns and different skill trees. Sli- yes, they do have different skill trees, but but playing as Abby feels so much different just by by virtue of like the animations and her size and like even if their stats are the same, um, it feels more. It felt a lot more fun to play as Abby. Uh, so I liked that. I. I really liked her her arc, um, which which we have talked about, and her own uh, sense of redemption, and and also like her failures, just like everyone else. Um, so yes, I'm totally on board with with Abby in the end. Uh, that's what I think, Sam. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, you know, we were talking about Ellie's taking on Joel's sort of characteristics of being a selfish person who was motivated by their own interests. Whereas I think Abby eventually became the opposite um, and was more, you know, invested in the well-being of Lev and, you know, not necessarily, not necessarily letting people like live and let live or die and let die, I guess, in this game. (laughs) (laughs) there was just a stark difference I think in their character progression. And um, if I were to have been able to choose who to end the game with it for sure would have been Abby. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Yeah. um, I loved Abby. (laughs) I thought she was great Uh, for, but to to, to put it more complicated terms um, when Metal Gear Solid two came out, uh, you played for a solid snake as the first two or three hours of that game. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, first hour if you sped through it. And then they made you play as Raiden, and everyone was like, 
who the fuck is this? Yeah. I don't like this dude. He's not my smoking daddy. I don't care. Um, and then in the decade after that game came out, you saw more and more people have retroactive, like, oh, playing as Raiden made me understand the world of the game differently. Right. Um, and like gamers slowly having a hive mind of maybe Raiden was good. And I feel like that's what's probably hopefully going to happen with Abby. Because for me, when I played took control of her in the first few hours, like, oh, I get it. Playing as Abby is supposed to make me reflect on my choices as Ellie. I get it. Yeah. Um, but I, I have been shocked at the idea that she is even remotely more unlikable than Ellie because I think they both have done truly atrocious things. Um, in a way, Ellie has actually done more atrocious things, IMO. Um, that's a whole other topic. I, I like Abby. I liked her characterization. I liked how gruff she was compared to Ellie. I liked her kind of headstrong approach to things. I liked how she was a lot more, I guess, soft-spoken. I, I, I really, I, she felt like a different character and that reflected in the way she controlled. Like, you see her upbringing with the, what's the Western Liberation Front, right? Yeah. yeah uh, Washington. Washington, thank you. The Washington Liberation Front, you see that upbringing reflected not only in the way she talks to people, not only in her like manner of speaking and how she interacts with people, you see that in those mechanics. She is heavier a little bit. Her methods of stealth killing are a lot slower and more built around her choking someone out. Um, she feels different in both the narrative and in the mechanics. Um, and I think that's a really good way of showing that she is incredibly different than Ellie, despite a lot of the commonalities that they have together. Yeah. Also, her arms were fucking huge, and I love it. She's so I jacked. Thought, She's so jacked. I love it. I anyway, would love her to choke me out. What? <laughs> no, I think that's a different podcast, Eric. Moving on. Um, so, same, though. Same, though. Yeah, so I, but I think that the, the, what feels overwhelming overwhelmingly negative about Abby and like this sort of uh, debate of Abby versus Ellie. It, it all comes back to, uh, to Joel and identifying as Joel and Ellie is your daughter. And I, I, and I am Joel and I'm the hero of the story. And who is this bitch? Like that's, <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's, how it feels, that's it. That's it. I really hate, yeah. I really hate, like, obviously no, none of those people are here to defend themselves. And I can just say whatever I want because this is my show, but but um, I that's that's what I think. That's what I think about it. Anyone who's who played this game and you know gave their time to it, gave themselves to it, tried to enjoy it because they spent sixty dollars on it and yeah. came out the other side saying like nobody cares about Abby. Like I saw Angry Joe shouting, nobody cares about Abby. It's like. If you don't care about Abby by the end of this game, you have to look at some, you got to look at yourself. That ain't, yeah. this isn't the story's fault. This ain't Naughty Dog's fault. You, you closed your heart. That's what this is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because she is just as realized and nuanced and likable and hateable and everything else as Joel is, as Ellie is. Um, as every major character in this game is, except yes. for perhaps Lev, who is like probably the only innocent He's character. So pure, so pure, and obviously Owen is hateable. We've all we've, that's been established. <laughs> Owen, Owen, Owen is a fuckboy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think JJ is the uh, most innocent. 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, but but it, you know, for me, like I, I said earlier, like my biggest, the biggest theme. I, I've been saying biggest a lot in this show. It's not normal for me. Uh, what I the biggest file size. My most significant takeaway in terms of themes uh, is about identity. Uh, the breakdown of that identity. And I think that's something that uh, Bella said before I started rambling about um, meeting and getting to know uh, the characters that we've already killed. And this idea of sort of walking with ghosts throughout this game uh, is a big part of that identity theme uh, for me. And, And something that I was the most taken aback by was spending so much of the game with dead people. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I thought that was really powerful. Uh, totally. I want to. I want to know how if they if that said something to you guys too. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, I think the idea of like I, at first I did feel that killing Joel up front was like kind of hacking storytelling for shock value. Yeah, but <clears throat> I think having him be dead makes those parts of the museum or any other flashbacks with him hit different. I think they made me go like, wow. This part, you're seeing these very formative moments on Ellie's life or on Abby's life with people that have died that she's been with. Um, you're seeing how formative these people are with the knowledge that they're not there anymore to guide this character. And I think that makes their presence even more haunting. And so I think that is actually a very effective narrative decision, personally. Yeah, and I think, um, <clears throat> you know, what you were saying in terms of breaking these identities down, I think another, you know, theme was just the rebuilding or not rebuilding of those identities, you know, without these people. Um, obviously we saw the rebuilding with Abby more so than we did with Ellie. Um, and I guess I I wasn't as struck with the flashbacks as I was hoping I would be. Um, those, those just didn't, I, I understood, you know, why they were doing it. I understood why we were going through it. They just didn't hit for me. And I'm not, I've actually been trying to figure out why that was the case. And I, I just can't figure it out. Mm. Um, Maybe it was just the fact that the game was already so long at that point. (laughs) Um, Yeah. They're a bit, I like them, but they're slow. And there's a lot of them. There's a surprising amount of flashback. Yeah. Well, even, Um, even uh, just sort of the dreamy repeated Abby finding her dead dad, we do that three or four times. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which, you know, on a narrative level is really ingenious because you, they're mechanically making the player relive something that she has been reliving in her head for years Mm. and years and years. Yeah. But in terms of player satisfaction, that's not very fun. Right. It's like, (laughs) you don't want to walk down the hallway. Which is, right. the, like a, which is the point, but it's a video game. You should want to do everything you do. Right. Like, I don't know if y'all have ever played the, the Suda 51 game, Flower, Sun, and Rain. Mm-mm. I've played, um, wait, is that one what? title? I played a game called yes. Flower. Is that what you're talking about? Uh, no. Okay, okay. It's, it's, so there's this part of the game, it's a murder mystery. You have to walk up and down this entire stretch of the island a few times, right? And it gets to be really exhausting. And as I was playing it, I was like, why am I doing this? This is really boring. And then I talked to an NPC and the NPC was like, boy, it sure is boring having to do this. If this was a game, it would really not be a very fun <laughs> one to play. And, and it made me realize in the moment, oh, I, this isn't supposed to be fun. 
Um, and it still sucked, but I appreciate what they were trying to do. And I think this is a lesser extent of that. I appreciate yeah. what they're trying to do by making you kind of go through these slow segments. And I do like them ultimately. I appreciate them making you relive Abby's hospital trauma repeatedly in terms of what they do for like cognitive processing of the plot. But I don't think on a mechanical level, they're very satisfying. That's a good Especially point. considering like how mechanically satisfying the rest of this game is. Mm. Yeah. Um, um, go ahead. Sorry. I, I will say that the one flash pack pack flashback that did stick with me was that final hospital scene where she walked through the door and her dad was there standing in the light um that one definitely stuck with me yeah for sure um okay so i want to get to the end but first because you brought it brought this topic up and like this is totally a, a its own podcast uh i struggle with the conversation about should video games be fun and the reason i struggle with it is because i can't decide if that's like a worthwhile conversation or if it's like reductive and boring. Um, it's reductive and boring. Yeah, probably. Right. Yeah. Like I think that video games, if they're, so I, I had a talk with Rand Miller, uh, who was the creator of mist a few years back. Mm -hmm. Um, and he sort of, he and I talked about like the state of video games for two or three hours. And he agreed with me on this point that video games are now where movies were in the twenties and thirties. Um, movies in the 20s and 30s had complex themes, but were ultimately about, you know, shocking you, awing you, making you go like, wow, I just spent money to go see an amazing extravaganza, right? Um, and video games, especially the AAA space, this doesn't really apply too much as the indie space. The AAA space, I feel, is very often preoccupied with just giving you that baseline satisfaction with a lot, out a lot of complexity. And we're seeing when a game tries to not be that, which is very much what I think The Last of Us tries not to do. I don't think The Last of Us is supposed to be fun at all times. You see that the fan base that you've cultivated for these games does not respond or react well to right. you changing what they want a video game to be. Right. So, but yeah, I think if video games are to grow as an art form, if they're going to get more interesting, if we're going to have more diverse forms of what a game actually is, I think the idea of whether or not a game should be fun to play is a very, very, very minor conversation. Unless we're talking about, like, a fighting game, in which case the mechanics are everything, right? It depends yeah. on the genre, but ultimately, I For think it's sure. a really conversation. Yeah, I, I think it's uh, it's part, part, of, part of what you said about, like, giving an audience what you've trained them to expect, to want. Um, but the, the other problem is like, I've been harping on this whole time is just about the length and the time commitment. Like I, I want a highly emotional engaging experience. That's not necessarily fun the whole time, but if, if you have me for 25, 30 hours, I can't, you like, uh, culturally, societally, you can't have my attention for something devastating for 30 hours. Like right. the last of us two is very fun and it, and it, it walks the line pretty well. But if, if you really want to explore the themes effectively that the last of us two is trying to explore and like do really do a good job of getting deep into the stuff, you can't bake it into this 30 hour epic. Like that has to be I, a smaller experience because my, I can't emotionally deal with that. I can't I can't engage with it and care about it for that long. Movies are not that long. 
you know? Right. When something is as long as this game is, the more the cracks in it, the more the the, the split seams become apparent. Like, mm. The Last of Us 1 succeeded, I think, primarily, because that was, like, what, an 11 or 12-hour game? It wasn't that long. Um, this game, and, like, I don't remember a lot of the bad parts of that game. I didn't question a lot of the bad parts. When a game is this long, the world that I'm inhabiting, I start to notice things more of just like, hey, this whole thing between the Washington Liberation Front and the government really sure feels like some serious both sidesism. And I don't think that conflict would have been a focal point had the game been shorter. I I, I like to harp back on one of my favorite games of last year, Blair Witch, um, a game that's like three to five hours long. You don't kill a single person in that game until the very end in which it's a flashback and you realize, oh, I was a soldier that killed an unarmed woman during wartime. And the game makes you sit with that choice. It shows you like four hours of horror and an hour of PTSD. And that's all you need. All you need is that short experience. I think The Last of Us Part Two wants to capture that moment of shooting an unarmed person, but they want to keep making you shoot an unarmed person for 30 hours, metaphorically speaking. Right. And I think that story beat doesn't hit as well the more you do it yeah it's like we're not evolved enough to to sit with that for that long we're we don't live in pods yet no and we, we don't all, live in the matrix pods yet it's all twitter feeds and like short form entertainment like we're all so conditioned to only engage with stuff for a microsecond right you know it's like as much as i wish i could give myself to something to a 30 hour schindler's list uh, I can't. God. <laughs> uh, what if, I'm sorry. I, I don't want to roast any of our peers, but can we just like for one second, like what just a bad, what a bad take that was. Uh, I what saw, if, what if, God, it's terrible. I saw so the funniest thing today. I wish I could credit the person that said it, but it was this just badass action clip. By the way, we haven't talked about the game very much at all in this. No, we haven't. Um, it's good. <laughs> Uh, so just this, well, there's tons of these clips of just like Ellie being insane and doing stuff. You had no yeah. idea she could do. Did you know you could jump off stuff and knife them as you're falling? I didn't know you could do that in this game. Did you know you I could jump backwards and fall onto the ground? And start I did not know that one. Nope. I did know that. <laughs> okay. Oh so, yeah. I, that was later in the game that I figured that out. Like the very end. <laughs> so the, the funniest tweet I saw today was, uh, just this super badass clip of Ellie destroying a bunch of people. And then it's the comment was like, um, the funniest thing about, uh, that bad take about Schindler's list is that the last of us two actually is a pretty good John Wick movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Um, it really felt like that critique of the game was invoking a piece of media uh, surrounding the Holocaust to go, wow, the Holocaust was bad. And this game deals with bad things, too. I have one brain cell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah totally. Bad sure. take. Bad take. But there was so much of that in, in yeah, embargo, embargo time. It was all like, you know. Uh, you might be tempted to binge The Last of Us 2, but treat it like a fine glass of scotch. It must be safe. <laughs> it's so stupid. Like, uh... Well, now, on the movie front, like, comparison, um, I... So, it's hard for me to dislike a movie. Um, like, it could be just the most hacky thing, and I'll be like, that's all right. I'm um, the same way. I, I won't watch it again, but, you know, it, that was fine. Yeah. It, there's one movie, I think it was Sweet November... Um, and I remember going to the theater to see that. And I don't remember who's in it. I think Keanu Reeves and Charlize Theron, maybe. But 
I remember seeing it and being so pissed for watching that and leaving the movie after two and a half hours. Um, and I, I kept thinking about that as I got towards the end of the last of us two. <laughs> and I didn't, I was trying super hard not to, but I mean, we'll, we'll get into this when we talk about the ending, but that was just, that was my movie take in terms of the <laughs> last of us two. Um, it was surprising. Let, let's yeah. talk about the end. I think we're, we're here now. Um, even though we never talked about like actually playing the game, <laughs> like the, I, 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 like I, I, the fight. Sidebar, sidebar. This game feels really heavy in a way that AAA games usually do. Like they have that, it has that weightiness that yeah. I hate. But as somebody who loves survival horror games, they're my second favorite genre. This is a very good one of those, and that every single action you make seems deliberate. Every mm-hmm. single limb you shoot on somebody feels like it has a different impact. Yeah. Everything you do to this world and the people in it is tangibly reflected in the heft of the mechanics. And I think that makes it a very satisfying game to play. Yeah. That's all I have to say about the The exciting moments are exciting and all that stuff. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) My single short take on on the actual gameplay, um, I am not a very creative player, I find. If you don't show me the things I can do, I usually don't find them. As Uh, much as I loved Breath of the Wild, like I didn't know all the cool things in that game until I saw someone else do it. So, uh, while I was playing this game at a certain point, I stopped and I watched that, uh, first gameplay trailer, uh, which is really beautifully put together. It's, uh, it's Ellie and Dima in a a scene you don't see until the very end of the game, which is actually that night at the party, um, where they share that first kiss. Right. And then it, it cuts into gameplay, which is it, they change it in the actual game, but watching that sequence, I was like, Oh, that's how you're supposed to play this game. Because the way I was playing the game was crawl around, try to take dudes out silently. As soon as I get spotted, hide in cover, and then just pick dudes off one at a time from that spot. Mm-hmm. And once uh, once I saw other people playing the game more effectively and cleverly and uh, kinetically, just like constantly on the move, taking every opportunity, um, use, making better use of like the stun grenades and the, the fire and stuff like – the that's when it started to really click. And even though I'm still seeing things I didn't know you could do, um, I think that, uh, the, the combat felt, it felt significantly more evolved than the first game. And it felt, um, emergent in a way that, that, uh, was a big deal in the first game. Like I remember when they revealed, like when you shot the gun and it dry fired and then the enemies would go, Oh, she's out of bullets and then rush you. Yeah. That blew my mind back then. Cool. It's, yeah. it's still really cool when that happens, honestly. It yeah. feels good. So I, f- yeah. I feel like they did evolve on those concepts and make like these really crazy combat animations feel like gameplay. Because like the the fighting is like half cutscenes, really. Yeah. But it sure. all feels like it's gameplay. Well, um, it's cool because the game allows you to kind of play to your own style. Like you can stealth around and and ship everyone you want or you can just book it and hope that you make it to the next door like that's how i got away with not killing any dogs that i didn't have to kill because i I just refused to do it 
um, which resulted in me dying a lot. But I, um, <laughs> I set them all on fire, Sam. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I, I, no, yeah. My hope I, was to write a guide as to how to, that you don't have to kill them, but that's not true. So yeah, yeah. there's a point. Yeah, what's really funny is I remember you mentioning you were writing that guide, and yeah. then there the first time that there's a quick time event dog tackle. I think it's in the aquarium. I was like, oh, Sam, Sam's probably really yeah. Upset. That was a bummer. Um, that was an important okay. dog. It was. Yeah, it was. It was the important dog, the goodest boy. But no, like what I think speaks to this game's mechanical depth is that the way that I played Last of Us was I played half of it and my girlfriend played half of it. And we would trade off every like one, like two or three hours and watch each other play. And when she would play, it would be the most like I have every resource available. I have like, I have the most ornate stealth plans. I have everything going. I'm going to not kill anyone I don't have to. And when I played, I burned through all of those resources and I killed, even if I was never detected, I made it a point to just murder the shit out of everybody <laughs> that I could. And if I couldn't, they were all shooting behind me and I was running. Mm-hmm. And the game let that, the game lets you get away with both approaches and several other more approaches. And I think that speaks to the pliability and depth of the mechanics. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I'm the biggest immersive sim fan probably on the, on the team. And while obviously the last of us two is not immersive sim, there is a lot of design direction that pulls from, uh, you know, games like deus ex and and the idea of like approaching, uh, a large area or a big problem in tackling it the way you want, even the way they do, uh, safe and safe codes, which people are goofing on like that's straight up emergent sim stuff or uh, immersive sim stuff. It is, and I think what's interesting is we're seeing this because um, I I also love emergent sims. I just don't like prey. Uh, we you're seeing that. <laughs> he's gone, um, but we're seeing those elements trickle into more mainstream experiences. For example, yeah. Shadow of the Tomb Raider was made by the entire Deus Ex Mankind Divided team, so and Human Revolution team, and so that game had a lot of like the triple edge cannery that comes with playing a triple A video game, but it also had some straight up Deus Ex emergent sim stuff in it. Um, and yeah, yeah, I, I think that. Um, I think we're starting to see the AAA space play around with that a little more, which I'm all for. Totally. Yeah. Okay. All right. We've been putting it off for too long. We got to talk about the end of this damn game. Okay. I just pulled my microphone straight out of the stand. (laughs) Oh. Okay. Here we go. Um, I don't want to say anything yet. Somebody else has to. Sam, you go. Sam, you go. Talk about the ending. Do it. (laughs) <laughs> explain so, sum it up in just one no i'm just kidding just <laughs> right <laughs> it's impossible right yeah it really is and it was one of the it was man see it's it's there's so much going around in my head in terms of the ending that it's hard to really put into words yeah it it was good like i appreciate everything that went into the ending i just i hated it <laughs> okay okay i absolutely hated it from having to go fisticuffs with abby as ellie um the decisions that abby made to leave dina and jj who clearly like when Tom, when um tommy when she denied tommy like dina went out and you know chewed off tommy's head which i appreciated because 
here's a woman who's protecting the woman that she loves, protecting her family. And then Abby just goes off and does her own thing. Um, but yeah, man, it was, it was a tough ending for me, I guess. Um, it's certainly not the ending that you want for characters that you love. I think yeah. that's, that's fair to say. Um, but, and, and like I said earlier, like had I been able to use who to play as at the end, um, since, you know, you were able to play as both throughout the entire game, I for sure would have gone as Abby. Yeah. Hmm. So like having that choice up front would have maybe helped alleviate a lot of the ending stress for you. I think so. Um, and I, I can't really foresee a different ending in terms of letting both of them go on sure. with their lives. Um, sure. But still, like, I was, I was, I was, I'm in Abby's corner in that regard. Um, I'll, I'll give my interpretation, but for, I guess first I want to say that, like, as much as people want to boil it all down to to a salient point or just for the sake of like shitting on it. Uh, I think it's, I don't think that you can, I don't think that you can summarize exactly why and how the game ends that the way that it does. And I, I think that it's a much stronger thematic and conversation piece. And that's what makes it good. Um, whether you like it or not, like, I don't think you're supposed to like it. Mm -hmm. I think that's okay. Um, my, interpretation of those final moments uh first of all i want to say like the slugfest the tired broken dying uh just laborious slugfest was maybe my favorite part of the game because Mm -hmm. it wasn't like mechanically it was very simple it was just like Mm -hmm. dodge punch two buttons and uh and every hit on either side like abby Abby hitting Ellie, Ellie hitting Abby. I felt every punch as there's a moment where uh, Ellie's on top of Abby and just doing the move or slowly pushing the knife in and you just hitting square. And I'm just like slowly hitting square and like tears are running down my face. Like, I don't want to do, I don't want to do any of this. They don't want to do any of this. We all like me and Abby and Ellie are all doing this out of some dark twisted necessity. Yes. And it's so effective. Mm-hmm. Um, my interpretation then of the, because every, not everybody, but because people want to say it sucks because, uh, nobody dies. Right. <laughs> I think that's essentially it. Like they, they wanted to see Abby get killed, I guess. Because they missed the point of the game. Because <laughs> they missed the point <laughs> right. of the game. So <laughs> the, the way that I saw Ellie's on top of Abby, she's drowning her throughout the whole game. Ellie has seen Joel's dead, destroyed face, and that is what has given her the energy to keep fighting. Um, and in the moment where she has won, it's over. Abby's uh, effectively dead, drowned. She, she sees Joel alive. She sees her last moment with Joel. And to me, she sees that it doesn't stop. Just because, like she, she sees that it's over and that Abby's dead, but that it, but that her pain doesn't go away, and that's why, right. that's why she lets Abby go. And I think that there's something to be said about Abby showing her mercy twice and letting her live, and Ellie showing that that same mercy. Yes. Um, I don't. I would not call it like a moment of redemption, but I no. think, but I think that it is. Uh, it is appropriate. I think it makes sense. And I think that it, I think that it was really effective in that way. Totally. 
Um, Bello, how did you how did you feel about it? Um, the ending of this game made me question my entire life trajectory. Wow! Um, Put that on the box, dude. Like, <laughs> despite all of my mixed feelings about the rest of the game, probably in my top three game endings of all time. Um, first of all, the narrative and thematic heft of Ellie trying to drown somebody when she herself could not swim for most of her life is just, like, so salient. I love that. For sure. But the point where she doesn't kill Abby, to me, made me take a step back and look at how much my own stuff that I'd gone through in life dictated me. Was I doing things that were a result of my trauma or was I doing something that was like wholly me? And so my whole life, you know, I, I would do things in relationships, friendships in my life. I'd make choices and I would just go like, this is who I am. And this game made me go like, am I doing the things that I do because that's who I am? Or am I doing it as a result of what I've gone through and what I was taught by my father growing up? Am I doing, am I doing a learned behavior and I fall into a learned pattern or am I making my own choices? And in this moment, in this ending of this game, you see Ellie realizing to me that she is literally just doing what Joel would do. And I think by sparing Abby, she just makes the decision to not do that. I think by sparing Abby, she's like, she sees Joel and she's like, I'm not him. I can make a different choice. I can end this. I can break this cycle. And I agree with you. I don't think it's redemptive because like when I have addressed my own toxic behaviors that are a product of my upbringing, that doesn't mean I'm like suddenly a good person. It doesn't mean that suddenly undoes every bad thing I've ever done. And you see that in the ending when you, Ellie goes back to that farmhouse and Dina is just like gone. She's like, I'm yeah. done. Um, and I've been in friendships like that. I've been in relationships like that, where it doesn't matter how much I have personally changed. What I have already done has infected, has impacted somebody so negatively that maybe they don't want to give me that chance to grow. And that's acceptable. That's fine. And I think that's what Ellie does here. I think that's what happens to Ellie here. You see her realize that she needs to stop being so, you know, sadistic. But just because she realizes that she has a problem doesn't mean that she gets a happy ending. It doesn't mean that she suddenly gets a better life, gets her girlfriend, gets to raise a kid together. We're acknowledging that you make mistakes doesn't make those mistakes go away. And mm -hmm. I think that's what the point of this game is. And I think that's why I like the ending so much in that it isn't happy. It just, it's, it's this broken woman realizing that she's broken and it will take a ostensible third part for us to see if she grapples with that on its own terms or if she crumbles under the weight of her own guilt. So yes, I love the ending of this game. It's one of my favorite endings to a game ever. And I think it's probably why my overall opinion of this game is positive, despite my conflict about it, because it is truly bleak. It is truly haunting. And it's when I connected with Ellie the most. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I liked the ending. I thought it was beautiful. Uh, and also, yeah, that that slugfest is awesome. Like it's it's painful to do. It's painful to participate in. But you know, that's kind of the point, right? Right. Yeah. And yeah, it's, I, like, I like the ending. It's good. It's also worth mentioning, like like we're talking about that last scene, the actual true ending of the game, where she goes back and she sees all of the consequences. She's lost. Dina, but she's also be, through losing those fingers lost her connection to Joel and her yeah. ability to play their song. And uh, I thought that was, I thought that was like very effective, very powerful. Yeah, that was great. Absolutely. Yeah.
Yeah. And, you know, you can you can read her leaving the guitar behind a lot of different ways. Mm -hmm. I, I think you can read that as closure with Joel, maybe, or closure with with uh, with her own rage. Uh, I, I don't know, but I think that's what makes it so good is that you can't really yeah. you can't really sum it all up. I think I already said that, but. And I, yeah. I'll say that my favorite part of the ending was that she went back to the empty house um, and I applauded Dina for taking JJ um, and, do, you know, <laughs> yeah. getting her out of that situation. Um, and I, but I think what you said, Bella, about it being haunting, I would absolutely agree with that. You know, it was, <laughs> I felt sick after I finished the game, um, which, I mean, I think it was intended. Um, but I think, that the ending, you know, a lot of the problem that I had with this game overall was that it felt like it could have been uh, released as episodic DLC, similar to Left Behind. Um, I don't, but then that ending, I don't know if that would have worked to the level that it did um, if it were just, you know, released chapter by chapter. I oh. think releasing it as the full game was probably, you know, the best decision. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess that's my overall feeling about the the game slash ending yeah i it, it takes a lot for a video game especially a triple a one to be something that lingers with you to stick yeah. with you that makes when the credits roll you don't feel like you beat the game you're like oh i finished it you're sitting there like oh fuck okay well i just drove this woman down a path of self-destruction uh i feel great about myself time to go take a long bath <laughs> um <laughs> But yeah, I liked it. I I think talking about the game has helped me parse a lot of my feelings about it. I think Oh, me too. Yeah. I think I'm a lot more positive on it than I was going into this conversation. It certainly has problems that we don't have time to get into, but like the overall package and what it succeeds at doing um is worth the price of admission. Whether or not it's worth spending $60 on something that comes from a horrible culture of crunch is an entirely different conversation. Yeah. Um, but on its own merits, the game itself is a very haunting, poetic, um, nuanced game with some great mechanics. Um, and it definitely has one of my favorite endings that I've ever played in the game. Um, yes, it is good. I expect it to have overwhelming success. It already seems like it's looking that way. I, I saw in the UK, it was the fastest selling PS4 game of all time. Um, but I, that also makes sense as a console generation continues, more people have PlayStations, right? Um, I hope that I, I just hope that we don't get more games like this. <laughs> I, I hope that the, that the last of us three isn't 45 hours long, you know, and kills 60 developers because they can't yeah. deal with making the thing. Like, right. like, that's as much as I really appreciated this game and it is beautiful and yes. I hate that it exists. <laughs> yeah, I, I, think, I think a basic crux point that I have, if I'm going to actually bring a good re reader response theory into this is... It's very weird for a game to have poetic meditations on, you know, working so hard until you break, doing something until you break, the violence inherent in that. 
and come from a company that literally does that to its own employees. And while that's a super complicated conversation to be having, I do think it's very strange that Neil Druckmann wants to make, and I guess the other the other writer, Haley Gross. Gross. Yeah. Thank you. Haley Gross. It's, it's very weird that that's the point they want to make when the game that they have put their name on is complicit in a culture of violence when it comes to AAA game production. And I think that almost undercuts a lot of what it's trying to say, mm-hmm. just on the strict basis of how it's made. Um, there's no, you know, I mean, the right answer here is obviously fucking change the way games are made. And But there's not really a right way to talk about this game because it's such a nuanced issue. Yeah. But I agree with you, Eric. I, I love this game, but I, I, I hate that it exists and I hate how it was made. Right. Yeah. yeah, because, yeah, we can't, you can't even start that conversation without then like implicating capitalism Absolutely. and like which you, is a whole other thing yeah it, you have to go all the way with but that. i'll get into it now yeah, yeah um okay all right so two two last questions because we're we're coming up on two hours here um Alrighty. and i i really appreciate you guys doing this with me that was a lot of fun of course. Um, first question are you ever going to play it again sam i'll play it if uh, factions multiplayer comes. Ooh, I love factions. Right, love I factions. It. Yeah. Loved it. Belly, but you ever gonna play I, this game again? There's no word on that. So, <laughs> you know, five six years down the line, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. My my heart says yes. I'm not a replay games kind kind of guy. Even my most favorite games ever. It's just. It's been part of our jobs. Like it's part of our jobs. It, always on to the next one. Um, yep. But I'd like to think that that I do want to play this game again. Uh, second question: Do we need? Do we want a Last of Us three? No. Sam says no. I, mean, I didn't think we needed a second one. Uh, so we don't. But if it's good, then I'll play it. Let's uh, put it that way. I don't think we need it. I think the game ends where it needs to end. Yeah. Yeah, which yeah. You, which you could have said about the first one for sure. Right. Yeah. Um, and I will say that I don't I don't want a Last of Us three. Yeah. I, I don't. I want I want I, I always want something new, and I think uh, I think franchise stuff is uh, is unhealthy for games as an art form and for like as a community. Um, that yeah. But will you play it if it happens? Yeah. I will. yeah. <laughs> right. Of course, I. Right. Do. Exactly. It, it, it's a weird thing where like we we can be very critical of this system, but ultimately, like because it's our jobs, we are kind of have to be complicit in. Yeah. Incur- like you know, it, it's messed up. Like when you when a new game launches, when they come out with a new AAA game, everyone's always like, "Oh, it's a new IP," and not like it's a new game. It's a new standalone experience. Oh, it's a new franchise. It's like well. Not everything has to be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't I don't think there needs to be a third one personally. I know there will be, but I don't think there needs to be. Yeah, I'm sure there will be. They always do oh, of course. at least three. So yeah. okay. and then they do a fourth uncharted and it's bad. Anyway. <laughs> uh do you guys want to get together again and do this for Cyberpunk? Yeah. I'm down. Yeah? Okay. It's gonna be a fucking twelve hour conversation. <laughs> I'm ready for it. Yeah. Boy. That's a meal. I'm glad we have a little time in between. But um, God, yes. uh, thank you so much, uh, 
Bella and Sam, and thank you so much for watching or listening. We want to do more stuff like this. Please check out uh, the Pexum with the Legends podcast, too. We do that every single week on Wednesday. Uh, check out Sam's review for the game to read his full written thoughts. And uh, just thegamer.com in general. Please support our website. We are really proud of the work that we do there. And uh, until next time, we'll see you guys for Cyberpunk. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Bye. Oh. Uh-huh.